Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship for Pendleton Center and Niagara Falls First United Methodist Churches and all of you who have decided to join us. We're glad to have you here for worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice. And be glad in it. And be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us pray. God of glory, Lord of love, you offer peace in your arms, shelter under your wing, and strength in the palm of your hand. Though we are physically separated, you have unified us by your spirit. As we worship you, our hearts unfold before you, Warm our hearts and transform our lives that we may be instruments of your peace as witnesses to your great love. Amen. And I'm going to invite you all to stand, if you're able and willing, as we sing together, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Wellspring of the joy of living, ocean depth of happy rest. be with you. And also with you. Please be seated. Kick your feet up. Enjoy the service. 
Well, no, actually, we want you to engage in the service. So don't get too comfortable. We want you in action because worship is an action. We want you engaged and participating in this. And so we want to invite you to participate with all of the different aspects of worship. And so stand if you're able and sing to a kid's song and dance around if, you're, if you can. Um, we want to um, talk to you about a couple different things. Online, there's a little link there for friendship cards. So click on friendship cards and we want to know if you're here worshiping with us and if you have any uh, praises, any blessings to proclaim, or if you have any uh, pastoral concerns, any concerns you want to have lifted up in prayer, click on the friendship card and uh, the, that will go to the pastors and we will take it from there. Um, we also wanted to make sure that everybody is still aware that everything is off as far as activities go. Uh, we are just playing it by ear, moment by moment, and making decisions in that way. We do want to encourage you to join up, if you're on Facebook, to join in the Facebook group that's PCUMC Fellowship Group. And it's a way that we've been connecting with one another, and there's been devotions and prayers and music and ways for our church body to stay connected in all of this. So I, as we, as a church body, gather together, Remotely, it's a little different, but we're still reaching out. We're still trying to connect, and we're always connected to God. We want to lift up some people in prayer. This week, we want to lift up Patrick Hahn and Mike Macieski and their families. Both Pat and Mike are in the hospital, not coronavirus-related whatsoever, but they're in the hospital in critical condition, and we ask for your prayers for them and for their families because their families are not able to be with them because of the virus. So please pray for Pat and Mike and their families. We also want to make sure that we're praying for all of the people that are involved with the coronavirus and all of the people out there in the fields, the medical workers, the law enforcement people, everybody that's considered an essential worker and every that's at home. We want to just make sure that we are covering this entire situation in prayer. We also want to keep our eyes open for blessings. We know that in the midst of everything, God is still there. God is still with us. God is still moving. And there are many blessings, many things to praise. I am thankful that God is with me. I am thankful for time with my husband, with my family. You know, we're able to use the Zoom thing and connect with people. We're doing things online. We're staying connected. There's just a lot to be thankful for. And if you have praises during the offering time, if you want, if you're on the Facebook thing and you want to chat and lift up praises, do it there. Otherwise, I ask you to shout it out. Say it to your family. Say it to whomever happens to be with you. Shout it out to God what you're thankful for this morning because God is good. And so he is with us and we are praising God. And as we do that, we're going to be taking up an offering. There is a button if you want to um, give uh, electronically. There's a button there and you can give that way or you can mail it to the church. If you're in a position where you are able to give, we ask that you give to God, an offering from your heart, with thanksgiving on your heart. And so Sue Saywitz will be doing an offering for us this morning, an offertory piece.
Let us pray. Holy Lord, though we are living in isolation from each other, we are not isolated from you. We give to you from the blessing you have already given to us, and we thank you, Lord, for your provision, peace, and everlasting presence. Bless these gifts to bring your love, peace, and power to the world in ministry through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now we're going to be transitioning into a time of junior church, a time when our kids are going to be worshiping. And so first I want to encourage you, if you're willing, worship along with them. Sing, dance, have a good time. But you know, if you're feeling a little uncomfortable about that, that's okay too. Have some praises on your heart. Thank God that we have many, many children who are excited and eager to worship God as we continue worshiping together as one big family of God, the body of Christ. Good morning, Junior Church. I'm so glad to see you today, and I hope your moms and dads and everybody else is with you and ready to start worshiping in the Junior Church way. And if you're by yourself or, you know, you don't have any little kids around, you're welcome to worship with us too because, you know, we're all God's children and we've got God's love in our hearts. Amen? Yes, I want to begin with Psalm 100 because Psalm 100 tells us some really, really important things. Psalm 100 says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye lands. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. And then it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And we're going to do that. Remember, we were talking so many times about when Jesus and his friends, his disciples, would come into Jerusalem and they would go up into the temple to worship God because that's where Jesus and the people would go to worship. Well, they had to go through the wall that was in Jerusalem, remember? And the wall had gates in it. So when they went to go to, the, to worship at the temple, they would have to go through the gates before they could go up to the temple to worship. So I want you to think about that today. Remember, Pastor Sherry told you to get something, some spoons, and maybe I've got some spoons here, and you can bang spoons together, or maybe you've got pots and pans, or a bowl, I've got a bowl and a spoon, all kinds of things that we can do to worship the Lord. And you can remember the days when we're going to be back at church and take our, our shakers and our tambourines, and we can worship the Lord the way that we would together. But for now, I just want you to remember that we're going to make a joyful noise to the Lord so that we enter his gates with thanksgiving. Can you make a joyful noise? I hope so. Can you say, make a joyful noise? All right. I'm so glad you're making a joyful noise. Now, you're going to recognize this video that we're going to use because it's the video we took last year when we went and made our parade entering into the gates of the Lord in the big sanctuary with all of the grown-ups. So it's going to be fun for you to sing along, and you can just stand and watch the video and sing, or you can march around in the room with your folks. I hope everybody joins in as we make a joyful noise to the Lord singing, He Has Made Me Glad.
did you make a joyful noise to the Lord? I sure hope you did. I did too while I was here waiting and we all worshiped God together. Now I want you to remember, we'll put our instruments down if you haven't done that already, okay? All right, that's great. And I want you to think about how much we love God. I want you to remember that God sent Jesus to save us from our sins. And he sent the Holy Spirit to remind us all about how much God loves us and how we should love each other with God's love. So will you make a heart like we do every week? Will you make a heart with your hands? And say it with me, when God's love is in my heart, I can love everybody. That's right. Let's try one more time and we'll say it all together. Here we go. When God's love is in my heart, I can love everybody. That is so wonderful. And I know, we know that what that love doesn't come out of us just because it's there. God puts that love into our hearts, doesn't he? So let's get down way down low. Ready? Way down low. And we're going to say, you know, when I don't feel God's love in my heart, I know that I can trust God to fill me up. And he fills us up and he fills us up and fills us up and fills us up until we overflow. Yes. Let's do it one more time just so we remember. Ready? God fills us up and fills us up and fills us up until we overflow. That's right. Now I want you to make a heart because Jesus loves us so much and he's filled us up with love. We want to share that love with everybody, don't we? So I want you to look through the heart of God's love, and I want you to tell the people that you're with, Jesus loves you very much. And if you happen to be worshiping by yourself this morning, that's okay too. You can remember how much God loves you. And I want to say to you right now, Jesus loves you very much. Amen? Amen. for our time of prayer. I want to remind you that we have an online friendship card that you can fill out and it's um, at pendletonchurch.org slash friendship card. You can tell us that you were here. Please do tell us you were here, that you joined us online. Share your joys and concerns and leave notes for the staff. One of the notes we'd like you to leave is whether you could be involved in an ongoing prayer vigil that we'd like to have the whole church get on board with as we're going through this time when we have to be worshiping far apart. 
What we'd like you to do is choose any day you want, any day of the week, and a particular time when you can commit to pray each week. You could pray for 15 minutes or 30 minutes, an hour, however long it is that'll work into your schedule with everything that's going on at home. Each week, there will be a specific prayer focus that we're going to give to you. So if you're willing to pray, you could start this week. Our focus for this time is going to be Psalm 125, verses 1 and 2. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. We want to pray that people would know and trust in the Lord in the way that we do and increase our trust too. Trust that God's love is surrounding us in amazing ways. And now, let's prepare for a time of prayer. You could try kneeling if you want. You can sit down and fold your hands. You could stand and raise your hands. Whatever way it is that you are feeling that you can center down to pray to God, let's enter into a time of prayer with our Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you now knowing and trusting that you hear and answer our prayers. We are grateful. We are blessed. And so we lift up now, Lord God, all of those people who are sick and infirm, people who are suffering from all kinds of illnesses, people who are suffering from the effects of this coronavirus. We are lifting up people who are recovering from surgeries and who are having to put surgeries off during this time. We ask that you would hold them and keep them, help them to remain healthy and well, while they wait. Father, we pray in Jesus' name for those who are grieving losses. Lord, this is a time of loss for all of us, a loss of schedule, a loss of work, a loss of sometimes people that we love dearly, a loss of time to draw together and be in the same place at the same time. Help us, Lord as we deal with this kind of grieving. Father, we also pray for all of those people across the world who do not know you. We ask in Jesus' name that you would call to them, Lord. Draw them by your prevenient grace. Help them to know you in this time. Help them to turn from you, to you, from the ways of the world. We ask in Jesus' name also, Lord God, that those who may have turned away from you because of what's going on right now, because they seem to have let go of their faith, we pray in Jesus' name that you would draw them back. Help them, Lord. And for those of us who are, who are trying to walk strong with you, Lord God, to be strong for each other, to love you and all those around us, we pray in Jesus' name that you would strengthen our faith. Help us, Lord God. We ask also, Lord, that you would make all things new 
when this time has come to an end. When we're able to get back to normal, Lord God, that you would give us a fresh perspective of who you are in the world, of your great provision, of your saving power, of the hope that we have of eternal life with you. Now we take a moment to silently lift up our requests before you. And Lord, we're going to lift up a prayer now that is the prayer that Jesus taught us. And I want to ask all of our friends who are watching online through the internet to remember that we may have people who don't know how this prayer goes and that we have young children who are with us. And so if they would have patience as we say this prayer that you gave us a piece at a time, and repeat after me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, Lord, we pray for the message that we're about to hear for Pastor Tom as he delivers it. May it be a blessing to him and a blessing to us. And wherever it is that we're worshiping, Lord, may all of our worship be a blessing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we hear from the word of the Lord? The scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. Jesus said, This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We say that prayer every week, and we're talking about kingdom living and, and how we want that to be. We want God's kingdom to come here on earth. God, fix everything. A long time ago, 
back in the late 60s, my family and I were traveling uh, through the Rocky Mountains. Well, actually, we saw the Rocky Mountains from about 500 miles away. It's amazing. You keep driving and driving, and you see them, and you keep coming and coming and coming. And when we got to them, they looked like a wall going straight up. Now, the reason why this troubled us is because we had an old station wagon that we were driving in that would even, driving down the road, would overheat from time to time. And we were wondering, can these things really get us over that mountain? Sometimes life feels like we have mountains that are just too hard to overcome. Feels like that now. This time, Lord, you gave me a mountain, a mountain that I'll never climb. Our bishop asked us to say the Lord's Prayer last week, along with uh, the Pope asking all the Roman Catholics who had Christians around the world at noon saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven. We address our prayer. It's not just to whom it may concern. Hallowed be your name. Praise you, God. Your kingdom come. What you want to do on earth, the way it happens in heaven. You say the word and it occurs. Give us today our daily bread, what we need. And forgive us our debts. Hmm. Forgive us our debts. We, we don't often think of owing God a debt, do we? I mean, that just isn't the way we, we think about it. Uh, I, I, we, we make our own way. God is sort of like an extra, maybe a cherry on top of the dessert or something. Do we owe God something? We're talking about kingdom living, which is different than living in the United States of America. In a kingdom, this might sound strange, but the land all belongs to the king or to the kingdom, if you will. So does the water. So does the seed that the people plant in the ground. So they take the seed that they're given by the king. They take the water which comes from the kingdom. They use the land that was provided to them, and they grow crops to feed themselves. And somewhere at the end of that, the king expects that they're going to get a little something back so they can continue to provide the water, the seed, the land. It doesn't belong to them. They are, if you will, borrowing it. They're in debt. There's another parable in the Bible that says the kingdom of heaven is like a, a king who decided to settle his debts. So he called in someone that owed him an immense fortune, 10,000 bags of gold. I don't know what that is on the market today, but it's billions. Billions and billions of dollars that he could never pay. And so the servant threw himself at the king's mercy and said, please forgive me, give me time, don't throw me in prison, and I'll pay everything back. Now the king knew he couldn't pay it back. It wasn't possible. He just didn't have the ability to. And it said that he had mercy on the man and he forgave him. This enormous debt. Well, he went out from the king and immediately came upon a man who owed him a few dollars. Be the equivalent of about 50 to $100 today. And he said, give me my money right now. He took the man and he choked him by the neck. Give me my money. And the man said the same thing. Just give me time. Uh, let, let me work it off. I will repay it. I promise. And the guy said, no, you're going to prison. That's it. I've had it with you. I've had enough patience. And he tossed him in prison. The servants of the king saw this and heard this and went and told the king about it. Wow, what a jerk. Really? 
I'd never do anything like that, would you? Of course not. We, we, we appreciate everything we've been given, right? We, I remember, and I probably told some of you this story, that years ago when I was strong and healthy, you know, young man, I was over visiting my father. And on the way out, he, he said, you know, Tommy, if you could, could you come by sometime this week and help me move a, a couch from the house out to the porch? And I said, well, Dad, you know, I'll try to get to it. I'm kind of busy. I'm trying to, I'll, I'll see if I can find some time um, and, and I'll let you know. And he went back in the house. You know, he was fine. But the neighbor next door, who I've known for years, come over to me and he says, you should be ashamed of yourself. And I said, what? Kind of a little surprised. He said, that man gave you everything. When you were a baby, he carried you. He provided you with food. He gave you shelter. He has done everything for you. He asks you to move a couch. And you give him excuses. He said, I wish I had my father to be able to help him move a couch again. He just walked away. I'd never be like that, would you? It's so easy, as the Bible says, to see the splinter in someone else's eye and not see the log in our own. We have a difficulty right now. We have people who are truly afraid. They're afraid that they might catch a disease or someone they love might catch a disease and die, and it is happening. We have other people who are saying, you know, we need to go out and live. We need to take care of things. We we have stuff to do. Uh, I'm healthy. Maybe I'm young. You're holding me back. It's hard. It's hard both ways. And trying to manage the stress in a culture where we have people with very different ideas of how to react to these things, it's not easy. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You know, verse 12 of this passage (laughs) says that we're supposed to forgive sins as God forgives us. But then in verse 15, Jesus comes back and says, But if you do not forgive others their sins, God will not forgive your sins. That's kind of an interesting thing. It's the only part of the prayer that he actually pulls out and, and emphasizes that we're supposed to forgive each other. But forgiveness is hard, especially when we see people do things that we just think are wrong, like this. Don wasn't thinking of his own finances. He cared about his workers, but mostly the experience for the people. Be safe and be happy. Exactly. Financial health risk. Uh, you know, the, how, how such a good fun party and that everybody, I think we could use it right now with what's going on in this country and the world and everything. We could use a, a good party here. These unprecedented times offer no playbook to follow. So Don had to make the decision many have been and will be forced to soon. It's easy to forgive some of those little things people do. Somebody cuts you off in traffic or, or, or maybe said something a little too sharp to you or whatever, but What if somebody gave someone you loved a virus that killed them? That's not so easy, is it? Our sin did that to Jesus. In 1 John chapter 3, it says to us, 
you know that Jesus appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. And that it also says in Corinthians, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What the cross shows us is that God died to his perfection because of our sin. God can't literally die like he would cease existing. But the most precious thing to God is that he is perfect. He is without sin. He's good. God is good. And our sin takes that away if we're going to be anywhere near God. Now, God can just push us away and have nothing to do with us and he remains good. But if God is going to draw us close, we kill his perfection. In Matthew chapter 18, where the parable comes from, it says, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Is seven times enough? How many times do we forgive someone? And, and who is it that we should give, forgive? And does God forgive everyone? The Bible implies that some people are not forgiven. They're condemned in their sin. And that's because forgiveness depends on relationship with people and with God. It depends on remaining in love with one another. In the book of Peter, it says to us, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. In Matthew chapter 12, we read about the unforgivable sin, that the only sin that can't be forgiven is blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which means to turn our back on God. Turn our back on the Holy Spirit, refuse to be in relationship, because we cannot forgive someone who isn't willing to be forgiven, who refuses to keep that relationship of love with us. Now, the book of Isaiah talks about forgiveness, and it says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Forgive and forget. Just don't think about it. But the interesting part is that in the parable of the, of the servant who has forgiven his debt, it says that when the king's servants came and told him about it, what had happened, all of a sudden, all the debt the man had was reinstated. Even though it had been forgiven, it was now brought back. So even though God says he forgives and he forgets, it's dependent on something more than some legalistic kind of relationship. It's dependent on love. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love keeps no record of the wrongs, which is almost impossible to think about, isn't it? But think about the idea that, that you're in love with someone, and you're happy, and you're doing wonderful things, and, and it's a great day, and all you can think about is how much you deeply, dearly love this person. At that time, are you thinking about any wrongs? You're not. Because love takes away the record, the concerns about the wrongs. But sometimes, when we're not feeling so loving, 
all that other stuff comes back. So the goal is not only to forgive, but to stay in love. Stay in love with each other and stay in love with God, which is one of Wesley's rules. Stay in love with God so that our sins can be no more. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God actually allows us to be tempted to test our faith, but that's not the same as falling into the control or the damaging relationship that happens when we are delivered to the evil one. Satan may tempt us, but God gives us the ability to overcome that temptation. But when we give in to Satan, things get broken. And people who refuse to have God in their lives have given their lives to Satan and therefore they don't even want to be forgiven. They don't think they need to be forgiven. Maybe you've had somebody like that in your life. Maybe you've been someone like that to someone else. Sometimes we have such a sense of, of, of feeling like we, we have an entitlement to something that we, we don't want to be forgiven. We don't have anything to do with that person. That's falling under the control of the evil one. And we don't want Satan to gain power over us. When someone refuses to be forgiven and you can't restore relationship with them, but you hold on to that pain and that, that hurt from the forgiveness, it starts to develop in you a grudge. And it starts to develop in you a nurturing of things that just break us and hurt us and wear us down. It's like a demon that just fills us. And we're giving ourselves over to Satan. So sometimes what we need to do is just be delivered from the evil one. Dear God, take away my grudge. Dear God, take away my anger. Dear God, take away my frustration and my pain. Dear God. Fill my heart with love and cast out the work of the evil one. Peter is concerned. How many times, Lord? Seven? Seven seems reasonable, doesn't it? I mean, how many times do you let somebody take advantage of you? How long do we allow somebody to abuse us? What's fair? Jesus said, if it's your brother or sister... Think in terms of 7 times 70. That's 490. You know, that would take quite a bit to, to remember, wouldn't it? 490. Or in other words, 7 times 70 is as many times as they ask. And that's not fair. It's not right. It's not good when people are abusive and, and they're hurtful to people, when people take advantage of other people, when people love themselves, but they don't really love the person who loves them. And we do have to be careful of folks like this. We do need to protect people that are being unfairly taken advantage of. And forgiveness can lead to abuse. And sometimes we need to Make sure that doesn't happen. 
But this is talking about people that are our brothers and sisters. These are talking about people who are trying to live like we do. These are not talking about people who've turned their back on us and on God and are following Satan. These are people who are trying to do what's right. I've been married over 40 years. I can't tell you how many times my wife has had to forgive me. If I counted it up, I bet it's more than 490. But we still go forward. Forgiveness is inherently unfair. Just the very nature of it is unfair. It's, it's, it's not right. It, it means somebody gives more than somebody else. And our response to this coronavirus is unfair. Have you watched our leaders? Our, our national leaders, our, our, our state leaders, our county leaders, the people who are out there leading for us? They're exposing themselves to the coronavirus every day. That's not fair. My daughter works in security. She has to go to a plaza that is a grocery store and a medical facility. Every single day, she is literally risking her life. Doctors and nurses, law enforcement people, it's, it's not fair. The problem is our culture shouldn't be based on what's fair. It should be based on just having an attitude of gratitude to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says to us, I have a right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have a right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. You know, as Americans, we say, we can do whatever we want. I'm free. I'm an American. Is it going to be helpful? Is it going to be beneficial? Is it going to do something loving for others more so than harmful? Are we living as God would want us to live? Or are we living in an entitlement culture? I had a friend of mine once, and we asked him to do a blessing for, for a meal. And he said, okay. Dear God, I work for the money to pay for the food, so thanks for nothing. Amen. Oh, lightning anybody? Although I think sometimes that's how we feel. When you're a part of a kingdom, you see yourself as part of the whole greater good. It's not about what we accomplish. It's about what the kingdom accomplishes. It's not about what we get personally. It's about what the whole nation gets. The king came to settle his accounts. He comes to settle his accounts with us. What does, what does that mean? What do we owe God? We, we owe God our very life, the breath we breathe. Everything in this world around us we owe God for. Everything good in life we owe God for. Forgiveness of our sins we owe to God. Eternal life we owe to God. You see, the problem is, is, is that forgiveness hurts. I know we think, well, you know, it's the king. Kings can afford anything. The government can afford anything. God can afford anything, right? But the cost comes from somewhere. I think this idea that the government is going to try to help people what they're calling a bailout or a stimulus is a good thing. But 
even printing money has a cost. Somebody will pay for this, and it's the whole kingdom that will pay for it to make the kingdom better. But there is a cost. Love hurts. Love is a struggle. Love is a pain. Love, love isn't simple. Love doesn't, doesn't come without a penalty. It's hard. And it even hurts God. It took away his perfection. Now, by the way, the good news is, is God's love overcame that sin. So God isn't broken now, but, but he experienced that because of us. It's like what a parent goes through when they take, take the, the, the punishment that a child deserves as their own. It hurts. If forgiveness was easy, it wouldn't have required a cross. If we think about what we owe God, if we start living with a grateful heart, then we might be able to understand a little bit of what God wants us to do when he talks about loving one another. In, in the Greek, they call it agape love, a self-giving love, a love that gives of itself without a concern for itself. Kingdom living is about the kingdom, about how each person does their part, not about what's in it for me, but what can I do to make it work for everybody. It's, you know, you've seen this before, right? It's inside-out living. It's finding a way that somehow we can take what we feel we should get, that soft, wonderful thing, and give it out to others. And if we need to work on fixing somebody, we work on fixing ourselves inside out. Living for each other, living for a greater good. In Matthew chapter 18, where that parable came from, it actually says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Forgiveness is a, is a heart thing. It's not about being fair. It's not about gaining God's forgiveness and living forever. Those are just side benefits. It's about loving because that's what God made us to be with each other. To love one another. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So we got in our station wagon and approached those mountains. And I remember this, and I was just a young boy at the time, and my dad started up the mountains. It was like that little train, got to make it, got to make it, got to make it, got to make it, right? Trying to get over the mountain. I think I can, I think I can. We had to stop several times. My dad had about, I don't know, four or five gallons of water in the car because he kept pouring it in the radiator. I know nowadays we'd use antifreeze, but that's not how they did it back then. They just kept pouring more water into the car as it overheated. We had to stop. We had to take some time. But we made it over the mountains. And we'll overcome this virus. I believe that firmly and completely that we will go forward as a people, as a nation, as a kingdom it won't be easy for everyone, and some people are going to pay what they call the ultimate sacrifice. But God will get us over, get us through. 
get us past the mountain. Matthew says to us, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. Pray, God, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, take this mountain before us and cast it into the sea. But the biggest mountain we face are certainly not physical mountains. Nowadays, we just fly over them. It's not even a virus. It's the mountains that we face in our personal lives with one another as we live together into the kingdom of God. The people working on this coronavirus are just trying to figure it out the best they can. And everybody's swimming in stress. Everybody, even if they act like they aren't. And people will make wrong decisions, trying to do the right thing because we're people. The most important thing is not going to be whether or not we get through, because we will. It's whether or not we'll be in love with each other and in love with God on the other side of the mountain. Stay in love with God. Stay in love with each other. Stay safe, and may God bless you.
give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right, a good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere to give thanks to God. He has blessed us. Even in the midst of this crisis, he blesses us. In the midst of everything, God is with us, and so we turn to God that we might make our relationship right with him. As we talked about in the sermon this morning, we seek to be in forgiveness with each other, we also seek to be in forgiveness with our God. So shall we pray together a prayer of confession? Dear God in heaven, I have sinned. You know what I've done wrong. You know what I need to change. Forgive me, Lord. Hear my prayer of confession. Now, Lord, touch me, that I might feel your spirit, that I might repent and turn back to you. Help me to live in love with each other. And bless me to be a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The good news is that Jesus loves us and forgives us no matter who we are and what we've done and where we've been. And so I can say to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. As I said last week, this is a time where we often celebrate communion in our services. However, we will celebrate communion when we gather as a church again. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Today, we need to reconsider how do we respond? How do we be the people of God in this world? And our responses can take many forms. I know that we have some people that, are, that we're feeding hungry folks in Niagara Falls. We have some others who are going down into Buffalo to help feed those who are homeless. Maybe it's something you can do for a neighbor, or there's a child that you can call and talk to on the phone, or, or maybe you can wave across the street to your neighbor, or like they're doing in Italy, sing songs to each other or bang the pots and just let people know that there are people there that care about them. We are calling around to people. And again, if you can help or would like to be part of that, contact Pastor Sherry at the email that you can see. Uh, we really want to touch everybody. And it makes a difference when we make those calls. We're also trying to figure out how we can help and where we can help and what we could do right here in Pendleton or Amherst or Lockport or 
where we can do things in a safe way. And so if you have ideas or you're willing to help or you have something that you can offer, uh, please contact Gidget Meland at the address that's listed. God be with you and bless you and God keep you safe and God lift up your hearts before him. Shall we join together in the prayer that God taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass again. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This service has been a blessing to you. As we gather together to do this service, it's interesting because we have technology to fix every mistake and everything that we might say or do wrong, and we decided not to. So you'll notice that Pastor Tom stumbles over his words just like normal. Nothing new there. But, but th that's the whole point of life, isn't it? None of us gets it quite right. And we want everybody to love and forgive us, but so often we want God to smite those other people, right? Go out and live the way God would want you to live and love the way God loves you. Before I give my benediction, I just want to mention that we have a wonderful friend who's going to share with us uh, a song after the service. So stay tuned because you'll be, you'll be thrilled by it. Anyways, may God bless you, be with you, keep you safe and watch over you. Send angels to protect your house and your family and give you his care and his love this day and hold you from now and into eternity. Go in peace. Amen.